With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, everybody? And welcome in to another edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you. The early morning hours of Friday, July 29th, 2022. No Cardinals game on Thursday, so nothing to break down except for the everlasting, the never-ending trade chatter that comes around this time of year. Plenty to get into in tonight's episode of the podcast. Before we get started, just want to remind you, you can subscribe to B-Shape Daily on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts as well. Head to anchor.fm slash bshafer12, click on more platforms, and you can scroll down to all of the opportunities, all the possibilities for platforms to check out B-Shape Daily. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can do so. Head to at bshafer12 on Twitter, click on the little money tab next to the follow button on my profile, and you can donate to the show. There's a link there to Cash App or Venmo. No obligation to do so. It's a free podcast, but I'm going to start plugging that stuff because I've had people tell me, hey, I'd be happy to support the show, but I don't know how. Well, that would be a great way to do so. But B-Shape Daily is going to remain free and open to the public because I'm trying to build this thing up and enjoy talking to all the people. I don't want to limit it to uh, a subscription service or anything like that. Maybe someday some bonus content, we could go that route. But free podcast, Cardinals podcast, and happy to be doing it for you guys here as the trade deadline is rapidly approaching, and we've got a lot to get into. The Juan Soto conversation is still raging on. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to present maybe a little bit of a new angle. Uh, Name a player that we haven't talked about a lot in terms of players the Cardinals could potentially have to give up to get Soto. Last night on B-Shape Daily, if you haven't caught it, scroll back on your podcast feed, episode 251. We talked about the Cardinals' win over the Blue Jays from Wednesday, and then we got into more Soto talk. And could it be that names like Walker and Gorman would be required to get Juan Soto? Well, today, and I talked about this already on the radio KTGR in Columbia, Missouri. You can check the podcast out on Spotify or the KTGR app, ktgr.com. Spend some time on today's show talking about Dylan Carlson as he relates to the Juan Soto situation. And we may have mentioned him in passing here or there on the podcast, but I want to take some time tonight to dive in on why, to me, not a good idea and shouldn't be an option to trade Dylan Carlson in the Juan Soto deal if it should happen for the Cardinals because you're basically taking two steps forward and maybe a step and a half back at that point. I don't know that it would be exactly two steps back, but you could make the case that it would be if the Cardinals were to trade Carlson and some other pieces to get Juan Soto. Talk about why that's not very attractive as an option to me. And evidently now other people are talking about this and writing about this, but whatever. It is what it is. I I certainly have been on top of this all along saying the Cardinals need to protect Carlson as the 1A. You know, Jordan Walker can be the 1B, but I'd be more inclined to trade Jordan Walker as much as I think he is an upside talent offensively with a big-time future in Major League Baseball. Dylan Carlson, he's not for sale. And I'll explain why I feel that way coming up 
We're also going to get into tonight a dissection of something that Ken Rosenthal said. I, I recently saw this video earlier on Thursday evening circulating Twitter. I think it was a hit on MLB Network that he had. But really interesting stuff because he's talking about teams that are still in on Juan Soto. And it may have actually been on Fox. MLB on Fox. FS1 tweeted this out. And Ken Rosenthal talked about the Cardinals and where their interests lie right now and why they might have some conflicting interests that if it prevents them from getting Juan Soto, the Cardinals have made some mistakes in their priorities and where they prioritize certain players above another. And I'll talk about why that is on tonight's B-Shape Daily as well. And if we have some time, we may even talk about Shohei Otani because John Heyman reports that the Angels are willing to talk about everybody. And for the first time, that does include Otani. But they're basically telling teams, we want your, your top four prospects. So what would that look like for the Cardinals? And would their top four prospects even be enough to convince the Angels to trade Otani? And would it even make sense for the Cardinals to pursue something like that? All that coming up tonight on B-Shafe Daily. So let's jump right into it with more Juan Soto conversation as it pertains to Dylan Carlson. We've been talking so much Soto over the past few days and maybe more than is actually proportional to the likelihood of Soto actually coming to the Cardinals. Maybe we're overselling this a little bit, overblowing it. But it's something to talk about because the Cardinals are engaging. We've talked about that. It's definitely happening. The Cardinals are interested. The Cardinals have checked in, have tried to exchange some names, and there has been varying amounts of progress depending on what you're reading. It's clear that there's some involvement here with the Cardinals. And that's, I mean, there's got to be involvement at the beginning for any deal to eventually come to fruition. Whether or not it happens, it's hard to say. I would. What did I say a couple days ago? My percentage was maybe up to 25%. Uh, maybe right now I'm back down to 18%, 18 to 20%. Still feels like it's not very likely. It's more likely than not that the Cardinals will end up bowing out or end up runner-up or whatever the case might be. The Padres are discussed as a potential landing place for Soto. I don't know what's going to happen. But it's clear that the Cardinals are involved to some extent. Dylan Carlson is a name that, if you ask my opinion on the matter, should not be up for any sort of conversation when it comes to the Juan Soto sweepstakes. I came to this realization, well, I've been coming to this realization over the past several weeks, honestly, as this has gotten closer and this has gotten more into the realm of, like, actually possibly happening for the Cardinals. But I think if you break it down, it's pretty simple, the reason why you look at the Cardinals roster and say, I don't think Dylan Carlson can be a part of this. doesn't make sense for the Cardinals to, to go that route. If the Cardinals are going to make this trade for Juan Soto, it needs to be more in the way of prospects and certainly not in the way of the guy who, for the last several weeks now, has been acting and doing a pretty good job of it as the Cardinals' starting center fielder on an everyday basis. And it starts right there. That's the very beginning reason why I don't think you can consider Carlson at this point. And if you take a step back from it and look at what we're actually proposing, it makes a world of sense. Juan Soto joining the Cardinals, playing right field, locking into that lineup alongside Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt. I've used the term infinity stone. Juan Soto is an infinity stone. He is that good. He's a perennial MVP candidate. He's a big boost to a lineup and turns the Cardinals lineup into one of the best in the National League. I really do believe that addition, him alone, would do that. But if you're talking about swapping Dylan Carlson out of the lineup, you're improving at that outfield position. I'll give you that. 
But here's what you're losing, first of all. And let's just talk about it in terms of what's happening in 2022. And I do think that's important because if you're trading for Juan Soto in July and not in January, it's because you're trying to win this year. Otherwise, just wait. Unless you're so worried that somebody else actually is going to swoop in. Like you get a sense from the Nationals that, yeah, they're doing this thing and it's either going to be us or somebody else, then maybe that's a different story. But if you're engaging with the Nationals and you're close, but they, you know, they're they making you commit to a deal that you're not comfortable with because of the urgency of the situation, you can say, look, we're not desperate if you wanted to go that route. Now, I feel the Cardinals should be maybe not desperate, but there should be a sense of urgency here. This should be about trying to win in 2022. Not only 2022, but 23 and 24 as well, because Soto would be under contract for three more Octobers. That's significant, but you do have to factor in what your roster looks like and what the impact is on the 2022 team if you're making this deal. To me, that's a third of the entire thing. I know that the 2022 season is more than half over, but I still count that as one-third of the stake that you would be planting with Juan Soto because this playoffs hasn't happened. You still have an opportunity if you finagle your roster properly to make a run in October this year. But if you're taking Dylan Carlson out of the equation, replacing him with Juan Soto, and then let's say it's a bunch of other prospects, let's say that allows you to keep Gorman, but you give up Walker and you give up Mason Wynn or whomever else, some pitching prospects. But the re- let's pretend the rest of your major league roster is pretty much untouched so that we can at least look at what the starting lineups would look like and, and where guys would fit in. Okay, Soto's in right field. That's great. Who plays center field? Because you already have that situation going on with Harrison Bader on the injured list, and it's been not a problem at all because of how good Dylan Carlson has just assimilated into that role. He is a really good defensive center fielder. I would argue the word great applies to Dylan Carlson in center field. There's not a play that I don't feel comfortable with him making. I think he can do it all. He can make the throws. He can make the catches. He can get to balls in the gap. He can do a lot of different things defensively. Have been really impressed, and I think he's every bit as good as Harrison Bader at playing center field. Maybe... The one area would be, I think, Bader might cover more ground than Carlson. But Carlson can do everything else. He's really, really sturdy out there, and I like what I've seen. But if you trade Dylan Carlson for Juan Soto, Juan Soto's not playing center field. I personally am not comfortable with Tyler O'Neill playing center field, despite the fact that he's a great athlete. I think more about it from a perspective of his injury past and his history there. Has had some trouble staying on the field, right? Objectively, that's been the case. I don't want to put him into a more rigorous situation, a more strenuous situation by putting him in center field. He's a gold glover in left field two times. Doesn't mean he couldn't handle center field, but I don't feel comfortable with it. I think it would be for the Cardinals' benefit to keep him in left where he's been and not to try to do something a little bit extra. Leave well enough alone is the way that I would describe where I like Tyler O'Neill in the outfield at this point. He's settled in there really nicely. He does a fantastic job. I don't want to put any additional risk on him as a player because the Cardinals need him on the field. Okay, so who's playing center field then? Lars Newtbar might be the answer, and that would be on an everyday basis, right? Is Tommy Edmond the answer? I mean, they've already moved him from second to short. He's done a fine job at shortstop. Paul DeYoung is a little bit of news that we can give on tonight's episode. He's going to be on the taxi squad for the Cardinals in D.C. People have wondered, well, what does that mean? Initially, he was scratched from the Memphis lineup on Wednesday, or pardon me, on Thursday. People were wondering, well, why did that happen on Thursday night? Why isn't he in the lineup? 
Well, it's because he's coming to join the big league club, but not necessarily officially yet. But there have been a lot of reports out about the Cardinals shopping at Mundo Sosa, and they might trade him. I would imagine that Mundo Sosa does not last through the te- uh, the trade deadline on the St. Louis Cardinals. He'll be somewhere else. If they can get something for him, great. This is just an effort to avoid DFAing him, in my opinion, because Paul DeYoung has been hitting the ball really well at Memphis. It's time for him to come back. You're paying him. There's no reason to continue stashing him there. Unless you feel that you can find a trade for him and get something for him at the deadline, which I don't think is particularly plausible, it's time to bring Paul DeYoung back up. Edmundo Sosa, who I really do like, I think he's been a spark plug for the Cardinals at times in the past. You look at what he brings to the table offensively, and it's not much. He's hitting 189 this season. We know his defense is very quality. We know that he can do it at multiple spots on the field. His OPS is 515 in 131 plate appearances. I, I think I think it's going to end up being Edmundo Sosa moving on this weekend. When it happens, don't worry about what they're getting for him. It may be uh, pretty much nothing. It may just be a flyer, minor league piece. It doesn't really matter. They're clearing that 40-man spot. They're going to have to do that anyway if they're looking to get some some people at the deadline. So that would be best. And I feel like the reason that they're saying, well, it's going to be the taxi squad right now for DeYoung, it's kind of awkward, but I think it's going to be we just need to keep him on the taxi squad until we trade Sosa. And we haven't been able to finalize that yet. So for now, we're going to say he's on the taxi squad. But I would imagine Sosa probably doesn't make it back to St. Louis with this team. I would be surprised if he does at this point uh, because it is time, I think, to bring Paul DeYoung and allow him to get back into the into the swing of things at the major league level. It doesn't mean he's going to be an everyday starter, but I do think he's going to be a part of this team once again. So maybe if you wanted to go absolutely insane, you could move Tommy Edmond to center field. Uh, don't. <laughs> don't do that. He's a plus infield defender. Let's not put our crazy thinking hat on and try and do something that uh, signals you're trying a little bit too hard to put a square peg into a round hole. It doesn't need to be that way. Not suggesting the Cardinals would do that. I'm just saying please don't. So who plays center field, though, if it's not Lars Newpart? That's what's tricky about the Dylan Carlson addition into a Juan Soto trade. It's not the only thing that's tricky, but just in terms of quickly looking at their 2022 lineup, yes, Soto is going to make you better because of what he can do offensively. That's why I said two steps forward, and honestly, it's two steps back. It's it's For 2022, it doesn't really give you the roster flexibility you need. It doesn't it doesn't fit perfectly for you to trade Carlson for Soto. Not while Harrison Bader is injured, and he's not coming back anytime soon. It's going to be another several weeks at best before Bader returns because of the plantar fasciitis. So I'm not putting Carlson in there because if I'm trading for Soto, it's to make the roster better now. It's to make a run in 2022. Yeah, and the next two years after that, but this is one-third of that goal. I'm putting the best foot forward I can for this season as well. And that includes Dylan Carlson playing center field and then Juan Soto playing right field. That is the alignment that it would have to be, which is why I've said, I know you have to be realistic in these scenarios. That's why I've said, I will. there's not another name that I will not trade. I'll give you anyone. You can't have Carlson. And I've even softened on Jordan Walker. The more we've gone about it and the more we've realized yeah, it's going to be a game of chicken, and the Nationals are going to get to tell you, we're getting Walker or we're not. We don't have anything to talk about here. Okay, fine. I'm on board with it. You can trade Jordan Walker. You can Maybe you could trade Nolan Gorman as well. I would be trying to keep Gorman if Walker was the centerpiece. I'd go Walker and win. 
I would do that at this point, whether Corbin is involved or not. I think the fans, as time has gone on, would agree with this line of thinking as well, where a couple weeks ago when I did my first Juan Soto trade, the first trade poll on Twitter, 45% said yes, but nearly 56, 55% said no. And then I did another one, and it was like 70% said yes. And I'm like, this was basically the same trade. Walker and Wynn were in both of them. I just changed the second group of names. Like, what What do you... I think the answer is Cardinals fans are getting antsy for this thing. They want it to happen. They can almost taste it. They can sense that it's becoming a little bit more real. And so they're lowering their inhibitions a little bit, and they're willing to do some things that they wouldn't have been willing to do a week ago. Will the Cardinals front office feel the same way? Maybe. Dylan Carlson's the one answer where it would be not prudent to do so. It would be a mistake to trade him. Here's the other reason why. Let's look beyond 2022. Right now, here's the alignment for the Cardinals outfield. Left field, Tyler O'Neill, free agent after 2024. Center field, Harrison Bader, when healthy, free agent after 2023. So he's got this year and then next year, and that's it, before the Cardinals would either have to re-sign Bader or let him walk. Right field normally is Dylan Carlson, but he's been playing center field and he's more than capable of doing it. We've talked about that. Dylan Carlson under team control until 2026. That's the rest of this year. 23, 24, 25, 26. Four more years after this one, five Octobers of Dylan Carlson before you'd have to worry that he could walk in free agency. Juan Soto, if you got him, would be available and would be under team control through 2024. Same as Tyler O'Neill. So I'm looking at it from a perspective of let's not undervalue, let's not undersell what Dylan Carlson is. He is an anchor for this Cardinals outfield for the next five years. That's the way I think he should be viewed, and I'm sure it's the way the Cardinals are viewing him internally. Offensively, he's got a 751 OPS right now after posting a 780 OPS last year. I think he can eventually get to be like an 800 OPS guy, And we talked a lot about Harrison Bader and the value that he brings. I've just said, get him to be like a 725 OPS, 700. Let him be league average offensively, whatever that is at a given time. Because right now, Dylan Carlson is in 751 OPS. His OPS plus is 115. That means he's 15% above league average for the defensive position he plays. Last year, he was a OPS plus of 115, the exact same. But his OPS was 780. So he had better offensive numbers Dylan did last year. But I think league-wide numbers were a little higher. Offense is down a little bit this year. Offense apparently at the center field position, which I assume is where Dylan's qualifying for OPS Plus at this point, is down a little bit this year. Guys aren't getting as many hits. Batting average is lower. There's power still in the game, but it's not as consistent. So you have to scale it to what the league is doing. But a 751 OPS is still pretty, pretty solid for Dylan this year. You want to see more power from him, but then again, he does have 22 doubles. Just the, the the three triples and the six home runs, he's never really been a huge home run guy, and and still we're finding that to be the case. Eventually, you'd have to think for just a guy with his contact ability and to have the ability to hit the ball with authority, he hits line drives, you'd think eventually he's going to get 20 home runs in a season. Last year was really his first full season. He got 18. This year, he's not tracking for 18. It's going to be less than that unless he really gets on his horse. But those numbers are still pretty good offensively for Dylan. And we've talked about it with Bader. If you're even league average, what kind of value does that make him overall in terms of wins above replacement 
because of how good he is defensively. That's what we should be talking about with Dylan Carlson as well. And by the way, he's a switch hitter, 23-year-old switch hitter. These guys don't grow on trees either. I know that Juan Soto is a more attractive, shiny, exciting object. He's not an object. He's a baseball player. But he's you know what I'm getting at. At the same time, Dylan Carlson should not be just kind of tossed aside and say, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd get rid of him. He's a special player, and he's the kind of guy that with, with the team control that he has, last year was really his first full season. You, you should not underestimate the value of Dylan Carlson as an outfield anchor through 2026 before even having to worry about what a contract extension would look like. And they've done early extensions with guys, and they could with Dylan too, but you don't have to is my point. And you know he's still locked in there for you for years to come. Juan Soto would be fantastic for two more years. But I don't see Bill DeWitt signing Juan Soto to a $500 million contract. I just don't. I'm okay with getting him anyway because I think three Octobers is significant. You win a World Series during that time. You never know what revenues do. Maybe something happens and you decide, okay, we can't afford to keep him, lock him up, and get him a statue outside of Bush in 20 years from now. That's an option. But I'm in just in terms of what I expect to happen, it just seems unlikely. So if he does leave in free agency after 2024 and you traded Dylan Carlson for him, now you don't have Dylan, you don't have Soto, Tyler O'Neill can walk after 2024, Bader can walk after 2023. Who's your outfield at that point? I have no idea. I know there are prospects. Maybe it's Alec Burleson. If he survives this trade deadline and he gets called up and he looks good, Maybe Moises Gomez is still here. Like, there are always more prospects on the way, but I just don't like the idea. And again, we're talking about 2025 at this point, so we got to recognize we're putting the cart before the horse a little bit. Earth might not even exist anymore by then. That's my famous line when I'm doing uh, fantasy football dynasty trades and somebody offers a first-round pick from 2025. I say, we're not even going to be alive anymore by then. I don't don't need that first-round pick. I won't even be here. (laughs) So I, I got no use for it. Live in the now. The Cardinals, I do think, though, need to balance a little bit of the live in the now mentality and the recognize that we've always been very conscious of what our future looks like. Dylan Carlson should be a part of the future. That's a big part of it. He's a part of the present now as well. So you get better with Soto in the lineup instead of Carlson? Sure. Not defensively, but I think the offensive upgrade is enough to say that you do get better in 2022. I don't know that it's enough to say we can forego everything else and give up all the pitching prospects we do have. Graceffo, McGreevy, Libertor, whatever. You probably give up two of those guys and then give up Wynn and Walker and Gorman and Dylan Carlson. You're probably giving up two of those four. And if Carlson is one of them, I don't have any interest in it. That's just me. And then it extends to the next part of this conversation, which is the Ken Rosenthal bit from Fox Sports 1 where he goes on and says the Cardinals are well-positioned to acquire Juan Soto. He said this today, and Ken's very plugged in. This would be something that makes Cardinals fans get a little bit excited about it. Get your get your uh, blood flowing a little bit, chest pumping. That being said, he also mentioned that the Cardinals are in on Frankie Montas, which is another guy Cardinals fans have wanted. But his report states that the Cardinals have been floating similar names in both of these trades. I bet Nolan Gorman is one of those names, by the way, that they would – send in either deal. To me, I don't want to be trading any of the top guys for Frankie Montas. That's just me. I know they need pitching, but if Juan Soto is on the market there and it's almost like you got to choose between the two, an upgrade at the pitching rotation or Juan Soto, I'm taking Soto every time. And I don't care what it means for the rotation. 
because acting like Frankie Montas is some sort of guarantee that the rotation is now saved is not reality. He's a very good pitcher. He's been shut down at times this year due to shoulder injuries. They've already got a guy that does that. It's Jack Flaherty. Maybe Montas makes it through the rest of the year and he's healthy and you don't have to worry about it. But there's always the alternative that it doesn't happen that way. And he's a free agent after 2023. So you're only getting one more year with Frankie Montas, even if he's great. And if he is great, maybe it helps you win a World Series. That'd be wonderful. But for the people that have been worried about Pablo Lopez and talking about his workload and not being consistent enough over the course of his career, the fact that he's at 109 innings and the next start he throws, he will exceed his career high in an innings workload for a season. Okay. Last year, Frankie Montas was a pretty good workhorse, 187 innings. That's the only time in his career that he's exceeded 100 innings in five years up until this year when he's now up to 104. So I think the workload concerns, if you've got him for Pablo Lopez, for me, you've got him for Frankie Montas as well, especially considering he's actually been dealing with injuries. Pablo Lopez is not this year. Past years, yes. This year, not to my knowledge. He's been pretty consistent. Has stayed on the field for the most part. But my thing is just, if you have a chance to get Juan Soto, there is no earthly reason for you to be using the same names in a potential Soto deal to talk about Frankie Montas. They're two different guys. One of them is going to be a Hall of Famer. And I can say that already, even though he's only 23 years old. That's how special he is. The other one is Frankie Montas. Those Those are the two people. I know they need pitching. Find a different way to do it. Get Soto and then see what you got left. It's all the more reason to get Soto and make sure you come back with him from D.C. Cardinals are in D.C. this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, playing the Nationals. Make sure he's riding the team plane home. That's what I would say about Juan Soto. And then you can worry about pitching. But don't tell me that you're going to trade for or you're going to forgo a Juan Soto transaction because you're still using those same names to try and pull in Frankie Montas. Give me a break. And that's kind of what was implied by Ken Rosenthal, who said, you know, you can't duplicate players. The Cardinals are going to have to decide if they're using these same names for both talks, which trade they're going to pursue. For me, it's not even a question. It's Juan Soto. Doy. Like, it, it shouldn't even be a conversation. And it doesn't matter to me that the rotation still needs help. I get that. But there are other ways to do it than to trade your top prospects for a guy in Montas who may not even pan out. And he's only going to be here for one more year. At least, you know, with Soto, it's two more after this season. And I'm sure they try to extend Frankie Montas. Well, they've extended Miles Michaelis, and that's been hit and miss because he's a pitcher. Now he's doing really well, and we're, we're saying, okay, contract's not so bad. Last year, we were bemoaning the Miles Michaelis extension because you didn't know if he was ever going to be healthy again. Just a reality. Steven Matz hasn't been on the field really all year. He's in the first year of a four-year contract. It's To me, it's not the way to spend the money to or the prospects to say, ah, we really want Juan Soto, but we're going to go trade for Frankie Montas instead, give them a couple of top prospects to do it, and then because he's only under contract for one more year or team control, I should say, we're going we're gonna to give him an extension five years and uh, you know, $125 million. I don't know what it would be, but that's I just don't want to see the Cardinals get into bed with any more of those kinds of contracts right now for pitchers. I know you need them, but get the young guys and develop them or pick up the guy with a little bit more team control like Tariq Skubal from Detroit. Even Pablo Lopez has two more years after this one. I don't know. I Maybe I'm crazy for not being in on Frankie Montas, but I don't think I am. There's just been enough red flags, or at least yellow flags. There are some caution flags to where if it's going to cost the same names that you're talking about for Juan Soto, 
Use the names for Juan Soto. It's not even a debate for me. And Ken Rosenthal said, you know, didn't see how the Cardinals would be able to swing both deals. That's fine. Go to Miami and get Pablo Lopez if if Oakland's asking too much for Montas. Because I do think the Cardinals could get Soto and a starter. It could absolutely happen. They would just have to be really aggressive with the players and the prospects that they would give up, which may not be comfortable, but I do think it could be possible. But that's my that's where I come down on it. Where do you view this situation, starter versus Juan Soto? How do the Cardinals allocate those assets if they can only choose one? For me, it's Juan Soto and figure out the pitching later. Like, I know it's probably not that exciting to imagine you'd have to outslug everybody any given night, but I'd be okay with doing that if I was coming to the table with Juan Soto, Nolan Arenado, and Paul Goldschmidt as my sluggers. I'm okay with trying to get into a slugfest if I've got those guys on my side. Frankie Montas, he might be the answer, but there's just no starting pitcher on the market that is even close to comparable to what Juan Soto brings to a, to a lineup. So I'm I'm not trading top prospects unless I'm getting Juan Soto. And I'm not trading Dylan Carlson regardless. And that includes a potential trade for Shohei Otani. That's, that's kind of how we're going to wrap up the show tonight is talk about the newest name on the trade market, so to speak. I don't know if he actually is officially on the trade market, but John Heyman did tweet out, Earlier on Thursday evening, he said, Angels are listening on everybody, and for the first time, that includes Otani. One rival says they want, quote, your top four prospects, or your four top prospects, he said. Rivals all believe it is a major long shot that Angels ownership ultimately okays a Shohei deal, but hey, sounds like he's at least in discussions. Angels can field offers for him and see if they get anything they like. But if they want your four top prospects, I went and said, well, that's interesting. First of all, I said, I don't want Shohei Otani from the Cardinals, and I'll explain why that is in a minute. But then I said, well, who are the top prospects for the Cardinals? Jordan Walker, Matthew Libertor, Mason Wynn, and Alec Burleson, if you're looking at Baseball America's number 75 in all of baseball. Gordon Graceffo, a pitcher, double-A pitcher, is number 76. So one spot behind Burleson. I put Graceffo in the poll instead of Burleson because I figured pitching is always going to be more valuable in a trade especially when the team, the Angels, would be trading away a pitcher. Well, Otani's both, but a pitcher is is the more probably operative stance for Otani. So Jordan Walker, Matthew Libertor, Mason Wynn, Gordon Graceffo for Otani, would you do it? Over 1,000 a, a votes as of right now, 67.9% say yes. 32.1% say no, they would not do it. For me, that those four prospects, maybe they're your top four prospects according to the lists, but I would have to imagine they're asking for Nolan Gorman. They're probably peeking in on Dylan Carlson because that that Walker, Libertor, Mason, Wynn, Graceffo, like, yeah, you probably should do that for Otani if he's available. Otani's a, a freak. He does it all, and he could absolutely elevate your team, although he hasn't elevated the Angels, but that's because they're probably the dumbest franchise in Major League Baseball. They do a lot of dumb stuff. That being said, Shohei is a free agent after 2023, so... It's getting close for him. He doesn't, He, I mean, the guy's been around for a little bit by now. He's 27 years old, actually just turned 28 a couple of weeks ago. And he'd be around for 2023. Obviously, the thought process would be you're going to try to extend him. But I don't know. That, again, I don't think I have a lot of confidence in the Cardinals extending Soto, so I don't know why I have more confidence in them extending a pitcher who also hits. Here's the reason I don't want Shohei Otani for the Cardinals. In addition to... It would cost you your top four prospects and maybe more. It's the fact that he's a pitcher and a hitter, and I don't trust that to just work out the way it's supposed to for the Cardinals. 
Like, he needs to be in an organization that is going to be willing to allow him to do everything he needs to do to thrive in both areas. And I worry a little bit that Otani would probably get, like, just imagine what would happen if he goes to the Cardinals and the Cardinals are like, well, he's coming up this spring training with a little bit of an injury, so we're not going to pitch him this year. He's just going to hit, as has happened for some seasons previously for Otani. That would be immediately no fun. And he's, again, he's a really good hitter. Like, you look at what he's doing at the plate, 844 OPS would be better on the Cardinals than everybody, but what, Arenado and Goldschmidt? So pretty good. Last year was a 965 OPS. That was really impressive. But part of the value is he's also an above-average pitcher. And I just think that I would not be able to handle the stress of Shohei Otani being on the Cardinals and then getting down to Jupiter, Florida next February and finding out that they're shutting him down as a pitcher. Like, not saying there's any reason to believe that they would or that he would get hurt, but I just don't want to see, I don't want to see Shohei Otani uh, put into that spot. And I feel like it would almost be like a sign from the universe. He goes to the Cardinals, it's not meant to be, and he ends up getting injured and then he's got to be a hitter. And it's just, the world is deprived of seeing Shohei Otani do both, which is what we deserve as baseball fans because he's fantastic. He's one of a kind. Nobody is able to do what he does at the level that he does it. Others have come across that may try to replicate that. I don't think anybody's going to be able to do it like Shohei, not for some time. He's incredible as a hitter, and some of the stuff he can do as a pitcher is pretty remarkable too. So that's kind of, maybe it's like a personal thing where I'm just afraid of the world losing Shohei Otani and then it being the Cardinals' fault. Like, I don't want to I don't want to deal with the shitstorm, pardon my French, I don't want to deal with the, the, the firestorm that would come with Shohei Otani on the Cardinals and then the scrutiny of jo- John Mozeliak and the Cardinals medical staff having to make sure that Shohei is where he needs to be. Like, it's just too much for me. I don't think I would want it. And not to mention, he's got less team control than Juan Soto. So there's literally no reason that I would trade for Shohei over Soto. I'd rather have Soto. It's not even a question for me. John Mozeliak has talked in the past about certain things being complicated, and an acquisition of Shohei Otani would be complicated. Not just the trade itself, but the aftermath would be a little bit too much for my heart to handle. Maybe, like I said, maybe that's just a me problem and everybody's out there is going, are you crazy? That would be the coolest thing ever. Nope, I can't. I could not handle it being the Cardinals' fault if something would happen to, to Shohei Otani because there's the Cardinals are already the punching bag for plenty of people around the, the game, plenty of fan bases. And that would just be too much. I'd have to deactivate my Twitter account because I, I wouldn't be able to to keep up with all the the madness. Like this week with the, the vaccine stuff was already enough for me. No, that's not a situation that I could handle. That being said, I'll be fascinated to see if the Angels do anything with Shohei because they're pathetic. Um, they should have been a, a contending team this year. They haven't been. Trout's now dealing with that back situation, so he's not in the lineup lately. They, I mean, they've got the two best players of a generation, essentially, and they're finding out how to really bungle that year after year after year. So they probably should trade him if they're not going to extend him. And I know they've got all kinds of money concerns because they gave Anthony Rendon like a quarter of a billion dollars. It just doesn't make sense, some of the deals that they've handed out. But hey, more power to you, Artie Moreno. If you've got it, flaunt it. That being said, bottom line, I don't think it's a deal I would make for the Cardinals. Even with those top four prospects, like, I mean, it's not that crazy it's not that crazy to to look at those names and go, yeah, I'd probably do that. But if it's just for a year and a half of Shohei, that's not a rental, but it's it's much closer to a rental than it is if you're talking Juan Soto. So what do you think? Should Cardinals trade for Shohei Otani? Am I an idiot? And you 
you say, shut up, Brendan, and go all in, Mo. Like, if that's how you feel, I think it's really a fascinating conversation. Let me know what you think. You can get in touch with me at for 12 on Twitter, and better yet, slide into the DMs. I, I love when people slide into the DMs. They've been doing it all week. I've actually gotten some really good feedback from you guys as listeners, and if you're a listener who's like, oh, really, people are actually chatting him up. Yeah, they are, and so you should become one of them at for 12 on Twitter. Send me a DM. If you haven't done so already, let me know what you're thinking of the show. Let me know how long you've been listening, and let me know what you want to hear from the show moving forward. Uh, some people have definitely jumped in and done that. Some people have given some good suggestions about what they would maybe like to hear from B-Shape Daily moving forward. I think a lot of really interesting comments. Uh, Alex chimed in last night, or this was actually this morning, earlier Thursday morning, and he said, was wondering if you bring guests on. It would be cool to bounce around some of the trade ideas with somebody else. Absolutely. I should be getting more guests involved. That would be something I'd like to do. And maybe I'll try to, to hook up with a guest prior to the trade deadline at some point over the next few days uh, to talk some of these trade ideas and, and see if we can't get something cooking. A lot of times it's just easier because I'm rec- like right now, I'll tell you, I'll be transparent. It's 12.58 a.m. I'm recording this. I'm trying to hustle, trying to make this be a part of my career and what I do. And for every person that listens, it's like, yeah, you're making it worthwhile by listening. Even if I'm not you know, breaking the bank from uh, the, the big Spotify contract, even if I'm not... Barstool Sports or Pat McAfee or the fantasy footballers. Like, even if I'm not elevated to uh, those levels yet where it's it's a career for those guys, you got to start somewhere. And I really appreciate that people are tuning in, interacting with me about the St. Louis Cardinals. That's a dream come true in and of itself. I really enjoy doing this. So don't hesitate. Like, don't be shy about it. I'm serious. I couldn't. This is a call to action at for 12 on Twitter. Hit me up. Let's talk about the Cardinals, talk about the podcast, whatever you want to talk about. I'm down for it. Appreciate all the support you guys have been giving me. I'm going to wrap things up for tonight right here. Real quick, though, before I do, do want to mention the injury situation for Yadier Molina. We don't know a lot just yet, but he did play in a rehab game on Thursday night in Memphis, and he got hit in the hand by a pitch, and he's got to be PO'd that that happened because he was supposed to just play maybe two, three, four games down in the minors before returning to the Cardinals sometime next week. We'll have to wait and see what happens with that. I I really think players should maybe be wearing some sort of hand protection when batting because this has happened too many times to the Cardinals in particular this season. It happened to Tyler O'Neill in the minor leagues during his rehab. He was a couple games away and going to make his way back. And then remember, he had that little bit of a delay before he came back up this time. Boy, the, the, the pitchers at the minor league levels, they're more wild and they've still got the same velocity. And so... Is dangerous, and Yachty, unfortunately, maybe found that out the hard way. Paul DeYoung got hit by a pitch on the hand. I believe it happened as well earlier this season while he was with Memphis. So it's it's something that uh, we'll be monitoring for sure. Hopefully everything's okay with Yachty, but, I mean, it didn't look like a great situation, and if there's a fracture there, Cardinals may be more involved in the catcher market than they uh, than they otherwise would have thought. Maybe that puts the, the Frankie Montas and Sean Murphy duo back into play for the Cardinals. We'll have to wait and see, but I am going to wrap things up here for this edition of the show. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening. Would love you to do one more thing for me, and that's if you're on Apple Podcasts or even on Spotify. On your app, click the five-star review. Leave a review. You can leave a comment and a message with your review as well on Apple Podcasts, but main thing is we'd love to get those reviews up. Appreciate you guys, as always, and we'll talk to you next time on Be Shape Daily. Peace.